0: Hey, it's Konzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more, and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast.
1: A production of John Bald Baldface Truth.
0: So I was reading this story about this guy who won the lottery, all right? And uh, he had anonymously called in to... uh, that Dave Ramsey radio talk show you know Dave Ramsey does that talk show about um it's a financial based show and and he was telling the host of the show that he won 22 million dollars and hadn't told anybody he he told his wife and that was it and they were they hadn't even told their own children or any extended family members and he was asked, like, why didn't you tell anybody? And he said, well, I don't want my kids, they're teenagers, to grow up and be waiters. And and Dave Ramsey was like, what do you mean waiters? And he's like, you know, waiting around for us to die? <laughs> you know? Uh, would you tell anybody, Stephen, would you be tempted to not tell anyone if you won $22 million in the lottery? I mean, I think... No, I would be. T- I'd
2: have to tell people, I, especially my wife. She, I mean, she's my best friend. I'd want to tell her. I want to share with her.
0: Yeah, but you tell her. But would you be tempted to get with her and be like, "Hey, let's not tell our kids. Let's not tell anybody else." You I know, think like my we- kids.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. I, I would be, I'd be know. tempted. I'd be tempted. I don't know that I could do it though.
0: Do they need to know? Because you'd be like, "Damn it!" Like I, I want to go. You
2: know, I want to go buy something. Like, "Hey, Dad, where'd you get this money from?"
0: Well, you know, I don't know. Well, the guy used the, guy used the cover, he, he had an uncle, his Uncle Bob, who passed away like a month after he won the lottery. And so he was able to tell people who were like, why did, he bought his mother a new roof and his mom was like, how did you afford that? And he said, well, Uncle Bob <laughs> left us some money and, you know, he would have wanted us to do this. And Uncle Bob would have wanted us to go on a vacation <laughs> and Uncle Bob would have, so they were using that as the cover. I would be awfully tempted to not publicize it, but some states require you when you win the lottery to go public and use your name and do all that, and others do not. Uh, it'd be interesting. Think about that. Our next guest, Nick Dashel, covers Oregon State. You can read him on Oregon Live. If you won the lottery, Nick Daschle, would you be tempted to keep it a secret?
2: I wouldn't need to. I already have that kind of money. I I do this job for the love of, of reporting. <laughs> for,
0: for the love of the game. <laughs> You're in it. For the love of the game. Hey, you, uh, you do find yourself in transition right now with this coaching staff. Jonathan Smith out the door. Trent Bray in. How has it been? How has it been to cover this transition and changing of the guard?
2: Well, I really haven't had a lot of – I haven't had a lot of uh, – I guess, phone or FaceTime with with the new staff because they've they've been, you know, they're drinking out of a fire hose. I'm kind of drinking out of a fire hose trying to stay up on top of, you know, who's transferring, who's leaving, who's coming in, who's the recruits, you know, everything, the the schedule, the – I mean, it's – I mean, this is more than just a coaching uh, transition for most places because – there's more news to this story than just, just your garden variety coaching change. There's so much stuff going on with Oregon state right now that um, I really haven't had a lot of chance to, but next week, uh, next week will be uh, probably the first opportunity to kind of dig in because they'll be practicing next week. They're, they're off this week with, with finals week. So uh, hopefully next week, you know, there'll be some opportunity, but I mean, I, I assume Trent is just. I mean, he's. I I don't know if he's getting any sleep at all because there's so many things he's got to deal with right now, to get the program, you know, to where he wants it to be.
0: What do you think's top of mind for him right now, coming through the doors? Aiden Childs, DJ on in the portal. Um, he's got to assemble a staff. He's got to he's got to manage the portal himself and try to get some players in. You know, when when I mention all those things plus everything else I didn't mention, like you know, where is his primary focus?
2: Well, I, his staff is pretty much put together. There's a couple of guys that are still out there, but I think the primary thing right now is trying to salvage this recruiting class because next week, next Wednesday's signing day, and um, you know. They're definitely it was a class of 15 and growing before Smith left. And now it's a a class of like six and shrinking. And so I don't know, you know, how many they're going to end up with on signing day. So they have to decide, you know, how many recruits can we, high school guys can we get in here versus, is it better just to hit the transfer portal hard and, and then spend the next year, you know, rebuilding our high school uh, recruiting situation. So, yeah, it's all about the roster right now. I think for Trent because because of the of the um, signing day deadline coming up in a week.
0: Give me an idea of you know the most surprising portal loss in your mind. Uh, who was that? Yeah, you know it's not the
2: it's not the numbers. You know, I, I know people have said, Well, where only lost seven guys," but they're all just giant. Figures on this roster, it's like every one of them was a huge player on the team this last year. I guess, uh, I mean, Childs obviously. He's, I mean, he's such, a, he's such a. We we don't know exactly how good he could be, but there's pretty good indication he's going to be a good quarterback. So that's probably the biggest loss. But I would say if you get past Childs, I'm going to say maybe. Jack Velling because he's the he's the one guy on their roster that had some size and could, you know, catch balls in big situations and score touchdowns and you know, they don't have that guy on the roster right now. So I would say maybe Jack Velling once you get past Aiden Childs of the of the guys that put their name in the transfer portal.
0: You know, Trent Bray coming in, the hope was that he would hold the defensive guys. Did did that work, or was that asking too much? Um, yeah, that's that's
2: a tough one. I mean, I, I I the first people I thought might leave, regardless who took over, were, were the Arnolds because they have one year left. They got a lot. Of, they got a lot on their resume. I mean, it's it. They're just they're just made to cash in somewhere. I. That one I could. That one I, I I thought was a real possibility of leaving. Uh, Jermad McCoy leaving the cornerback. Obviously he's he's got a ton of offers. So he, he he's he, you know he he I'm sure he was getting some some information through whoever before the signing before the portal opened up that that he could he could you know go somewhere pretty significant. Um, other than that, I don't know that he's losing a ton on defense. The problem is he's losing a ton of seniors off this defense. So um, they've got some young guys that I think that I think they really like, but it, it's going to be difficult to rebuild the defensive line based on on who they're losing. So they're going to have to hit the portal pretty hard um, to even even cut close to what they have up front this this season cuz they're going to lose both both you know, the other top edge guys and and two or three of the two or three defensive linemen they counted on a lot and right now the only guy they have coming in so far is is Nick Norris the, the guy with a a year two years of eligibility left from Northern Colorado I mean he's he's he came from the same place Joe Golden came from and and Joe's turned out to be a good player so no reason to think that Nick Norris couldn't be, but but they definitely need to hit that one hard. They've, and they've got some young guys up there, but what they don't have is a lot of experience on that line, so they'll have to find a way to replace some of that.
0: Nick Daschle with us. He covers Oregon State. You can read him on Oregon Live. Uh, Daschle, uh, you know, we've talked about the schedule. We kind of know loosely who's going to be on this schedule. It'll include Oregon and Purdue and Idaho State, some Mountain West opponents Cal probably in there, Washington State in there. Is that schedule enough to sell to recruits? Are you getting any pushback or feedback from players about, you know, the schedule and what Oregon State's selling internally?
2: Well, we know they're going to have seven home games. And I, I think there, there's, what, one, two, three, what, four power five teams on on the on the schedule, if I remember right. Well, if you count Washington State. Um in a typical year they'd have what eight nine well they always have the Pac-12 schedule so but i mean could you make a case that some of the bottom end of the Pac-12 really wasn't any much better than the Mountain West i mean if you play if you play the best of the Mountain West which they're going to um i'm pretty i'm pretty sure of that i, I think you got i think you got maybe just a hair less than what you've had before you don't have a usc or a you know a team like that coming in, but I think the schedule is pretty good for the, for the first year coming back. And if you can sell recruits that you know you're going to get some some good TV dates, and that remains to be seen. If that's something you could sell, I think I think you could do okay. I mean we're not kidding. I mean let's not kid ourselves. This is not this is not going to be the Oregon State schedule of of the last few years. It's just it's just not. But it's but it's for putting it together. You know, on the fly here in a couple of months, it feels like it's a pretty decent schedule. And whether that's good enough for the recruits, I guess we'll find out in the next two months because there's another signing day coming up and there'll be some guys that they'll be able to get in the next signing day, too. So we'll see how how they can sell those guys.
0: Nick Daschle with us covering Oregon State. Uh, The bowl game, uh, it'll be Notre Dame. Ben Gulbrunson, is he the starter? Do you. And if so, how are you feeling about Oregon State as a bowl candidate in this game against Notre Dame?
2: Well, I don't think there's any question he's the starter. I mean, the other two guys have—I, I, I'm pretty sure i have never taken a snap in a college game before. So, yeah, no, Ben's definitely the starter, and and I think you know that's not a bad that's not a bad um, it's not a bad situation. I mean, I, it's hard to believe he's he's lost anything. I've. You know, maybe a little bit of his confidence, but I think he'll be able to—he'll be able to resurrect that just based on the fact that you know I'm back and I'm and I got a shot to you know make some of the season. And you know, I've t- I I t- I spent 15 or 20 minutes with him a few several weeks ago and talked about talked to him about how he's you know dealt with all this, and he seems to have dealt with it pretty well. And um, <laughs> the dude is smart, man. I mean, I kind of think he might have been playing the long game, looking at these quarterbacks ahead of him going, this guy could leave, this guy could leave, and I'm right back in the starting job again. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of thinking he might have been thinking that in the back of his mind. So, um, now, whether he sticks around after this year, I don't know. But I I, I, guess I think he probably will if he, if he decides to stay with football. But I think he'd be okay. I mean, it, it's just a matter of he, – he's just not going to have – He's not going to have the weapons that they've had all season. So that's going to be the bigger issue. They're not going to have their right tackle. Probably not going to have their left tackle. Not going to have Damian Martinez. Not going to have Anthony Gould. Not going to have Jack Belling. So, although Notre Dame's going to miss some guys on defense, but he's not going to have the weapons that DJ had and Aiden had. So that's going to be a bit of that's that's probably a bigger issue for Ben Galbraithson than than you know him whether he's able to play quarterback or not.
0: Damian Martinez will not play in the bowl game, was uh, uh, arrested and cited for a DUI. Um, and there's been a lot of questions about him, Nick. Do you expect he will stick around? Do you have any insight on Damian's future?
2: I I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know any more than, than most people in terms of whether he, you know, by all accounts, he is, he's committed to Corvallis. Now, I mean, there's several, there's several things that could come up. I mean, just because he's not in the portal right now, he could go through spring ball and and go, well, let me see what we got here. Let's see what the running back coach is like. Let's see what, how Gundy is as a a coordinator. Let's see how Trent runs the program. And if he likes what he sees, he'll stick around. But I mean, there's that that window right after spring ball that, that he can jump in the portal and, I mean, he, you know that he'd have, he'd have people coming after him, so I I think it's a pretty good chance he's sticking around. He likes Corvallis. He 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 definitely didn't like the way Smith left, and so that seems to stick with him a little bit about wanting to be here in Corvallis. So I'm going to say he's going to be he's going to be in the program next next fall. But it's not going to surprise me greatly if if he was to leave. But I think he'll, he'll I think he'll be here.
0: All right, we've got a caller who's got a question about Oregon State. Michael and Eugene wants to ask about something about the portal. Michael, you're on with Nick Daschle. Go ahead, fire away. you got us both. John,
1: you're the best. Nick, I'm a duck. I love the Beavs, though. Isn't the transfer portal such a bummer, though, because Damian recommits, Smith leaves. What about Ty Thompson? Two head coaches, three coordinators. Now he's gone. We're renting Dylan Gabriel for the year. I don't like it. I don't think he knows where Rennie's is. And if you don't know where Rennie's is, you're not a duck. Ty Thompson knows how to find Rennie's, which is the bar next to the bookstore. I'd like your thoughts, gentlemen, and uh, have a great holiday season.
0: Yeah, I think the game has changed. Nick, go first. Go ahead. Transfer portal reaction.
2: Yeah, I mean – I, I don't think fans like it at all, but it's just the way it's. You, you just got to get over it. It's 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 going to happen every year. It's gonna. It's even gonna. It's gonna be even more so with this new with this NCA. Uh, I, I don't know if you want to call it ruling or not, where you know multiple, you know a multi, where, you, where you can transfer a, a second time without any penalty. Um, so that that's going to cause even more. Trouble for for roster management and whatnot, but I think he's going to get very used to it. It's here to stay. It's not going to go anywhere. The only reason it wouldn't, the only reason it might slow down is if there's some some way they are they put guardrails on nil. And I don't know that's ever going to happen. But but if they were able to put some some guardrails on that, to where the the money isn't just isn't just dropped on some of these guys by the by the millions that's the only way i could ever see this slowing down
0: yeah and i think too that you know part of it dash will thank you man i gotta get to break but i i think part of it is rooted as well in how it just went from you're not able to go anywhere to it can being completely off the rails and by the way let's sprinkle nil over the top of it so then it becomes unrestricted free agency i think if it had been more gradual with um, you know one little window of transfer and then an expanded window of transfer and then hey here's a tweak that's good for the game and it's good for the players and benefits everybody I think it would be in a more acceptable place but instead the wheels came off and then all of a sudden it was like it's transfer palooza and there's 1,200 players in the portal it and so I do think there'll be a correction and I do think that college football will regulate it and get it down to a place where. Hey, wait a minute. Maybe the window shouldn't start before the bowl games, or maybe the window should only be in the spring, or maybe and I understand why it the window starts where it is. You know, they're trying to get players enrolled for January, but maybe it needs to not be a 30-day window. Maybe it's only a week. And maybe it happens, you know, um, you know, December 15th it opens. Maybe it should be opening, you know, 2 days from now instead of right after the championship games. I don't know the answer to that, but I I think part of the problem was just how the wheels came off, and it became transfer palooza, and everybody's going, and now it's it's frankly changed the way that teams recruit quarterbacks. Oregon is going to have a transfer quarterback that's just as experienced as Bo Nix was when he arrived, and it's it's mind blowing to me to think that Oregon may never have another quarterback in its history that it recruits as a freshman and develops and this just may be how it is and there's something about that that doesn't quite feel right to me it's just like the Niners going out and getting a new quarterback every year via free agency and you know every you know some years it'll be great some years it'll be underwhelming but there's just no continuity to it. There's no development to it. There's something about it doesn't feel right. Take more of your phone calls, 503-417-7575. We'll go to the phone lines. Cam's in Eugene. He's listening on Fox Sports. Eugene. Cam, what's your, what's on your mind, man?
1: Hey, I was looking in the news earlier about how the attorney general from Florida had sent notice of a investigation to the CFP. And it really kind of stuck something stuck in my mind about that. And it wasn't the thing on the surface that the Florida attorney general was going after the CSP. Right. If she's going to subpoena them, she's going to have the right to get documents and communications. And of course the rumors or the, the concern is that ESPN may have in some way put its hand on the scales. And it's going to be really interesting to see if they come away with any evidence of that as a result of the subpoena, they intend to send because if they do, that it changes completely. It doesn't become about Florida and the CFP anymore. Now it becomes about Florida State and ESPN and their media rights deal. And they could approach a court and potentially have the whole thing thrown out if it turns out ESPN was going into business for the SEC and not their other media partner, you know, the ACC. Um, and I, I don't hear a lot of people talking about that, and I wouldn't expect to hear a lot about it on ESPN. But it just struck me really play some, interesting. Can I play
0: something for you? Play, I'm gonna. This is Kirk Herbstreet. Street. Yeah, I'm gonna leave your mic, o- your uh, line open. But-
1: it's just if you follow the criteria of what they have, then that's what you come up
0: with. And if you- we
1: interrupt this broadcast with a special
2: announcement from the ball.
0: Baldwin- hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but.